Welcome. Thank you for choosing to listen to another word-filled message by David Entry. Preaching is the means by which God manifests his word and nourishes our spirits. May the life of God enter into you and you as you listen to this message. Be blessed. Acts 20.32 says that, And now, brethren, I commend... All right, let's read it from the screen, I think. All right, let's read it from the screen now. Everybody will be able to read the same version. Let's go. This was sanctified. Amen. He said, I commend you unto God and to the word of his grace. When you become a Christian, how you become a Christian matters. And then when you become a Christian, you are supposed to be growing as a Christian, living your life as a Christian and fulfilling the purpose of God, the plan of God for your life as a Christian, looking forward to the coming of the Lord for a reward. Now, all these things cannot be done outside of God's word. So, the chief agent for the new, uh, new birth, when you hear that phrase, new birth, meaning being born again as a Christian, okay, and then John chapter 3, Nicodemus said, How can he said I should be born again? How can a man who is already born and old go? Enter into his mother's room to be born again. You know, he was really, what, what do you mean by that? There are times that spiritual language sounds very foreign to normal day-to-day thinking. Real spiritual language, when you come into contact with Christ, the language of spirituality, because it's, it's part of the mystery of God, is very foreign to normal human day-to-day thinking. So Jesus says that you have to be born again. Then he explains it to him. Now, that means that when we come to church, there is the need for terminologies to be explained. Because there are times you've been in church for a while and become so used to terminology and ascribe meaning to it, which may not be authentic. So that is why I took my time and I was teaching on justification, redemption, propitiation. All those things are very important. So at least when you hear it, you are familiar with what it means. Now, I just made, uh, uh, I just mentioned the phrase new birth. New birth is what is used to describe someone who has now become a Christian. When you have become, Bible says, if a man be, if any man, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, if any man be in Christ, that person, not everybody, that person is a new creature, other translation, new creation. Okay, so your being in Christ makes you new. Um, uh, in, in the book of First Peter, it talks about who has, I think, chapter 1, verse 3, he has given Beth, he has, he has born us again. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant has begotten us. We have been born. Has begotten us again. That's born again over there. Uh, uh, to a living hope through the resurrection of Christ from the dead. So God has given birth to us. So 
in First Peter chapter uh, chapter one verse twenty-three, having been born again. So the chief agent for our new birth. Now, when I say new birth, you, you understand that for being born again, new birth. Every believer is having. The, the, the chief agent for our new birth is being born again, not of corruptible seed. So that means that there is a seed responsible for our spiritual birth. As, as a matter of fact, every birth, there must be a seed responsible for it. There is no birth without a seed responsible. If you actually see a plant growing somewhere, you're wondering, how did this plant come here? Somebody might have brought the seed or the... It's uh, anything that makes it grow. Normally, let's say a seed. A seed of it. It carries the DNA of whatever or the essence of it. It's been brought here. Because if it doesn't come here, it doesn't... Weeds is true um, when the air blows. and uh, By the time you realize uh, it's moved from one side to the other, by the time you see the grass, something else is growing... It doesn't come automatically. There's a seed. So what I'm trying to say is there's a seed responsible for every birth. There's a seed. That's why you look like your father. So being born again, so our second birth, our new birth as believers, our new birth, what is the seed behind it? It's clearly saying that the seed responsible for the new birth is the word of God which is not corruptible so he uses the word the incorruptible word of God you can't destroy it so then the word of God becomes a, the chief agent for the beginning of your Christian life not somebody's testimony not how you feel it's irrelevant not how you feel about life not 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 um, what people think about you all those things are not relevant the preaching is not even as relevant as the word preaching doesn't give birth spiritual birth to people it's the word of God in the preaching that changes people so it says that I commend you to God and to the word of his grace let's all say the word of his grace so the word of God is the word of his grace. There's something theologians call means of grace. So that when you become born again, you are actually a child of God. And have you, how many of you agree with me that every child that is born needs to be nourished, needs to be fed for the child to grow, for the child to live. Every living thing needs to depend on something to continue living. Right? And... For us in our in our new found life or in our new life in Christ, what makes us thrive, what makes us grow is called God's means of grace. It's the grace of God that makes that's why all the writings of Paul you say, Grace be to you, grace to you, grace be upon you. Because it's grace that actually makes you grow in the Lord or you enjoy the Lord as I said that we are every true minister of the gospel is dispenser of grace grace meaning God actually at work so now coming back to the means of grace the, the, the theologians call something means of grace how what is the means through which God dispensed grace to us 
for our spiritual life and our, uh, our divine life on earth. Now, the number one means of grace that God has put in place to be able to dispense his grace into the, his people is the word of God. That is why the word of God, the Bible is called the word of his grace. You can't grow in your spiritual work without the word of God. Now, so having said that, it means that it's important to give the word maximum attention. Now, if you're going to give the word of God maximum attention, it is necessary to also know what the word of God is. And it is necessary to understand the, uh, the importance of the word of God. Now, has God got a word? If he has got a word, where is his word? Is this the word of God? How about other religious books? What make you say this is the word of God and why not the other religious books? One. And if this is the word of God, are the other religious books also the word of God? These are important, intelligent questions that need to be answered. So then, we are not crediting the word, this Bible with divine inspiration because we believe it. We believe it because it is divinely inspired. We are not saying it's divinely inspired because we believe it, but we believe it because it is divinely inspired. What does that mean? It means that there are people who have actually, they didn't have any faith or even skeptics, atheists, who came to the book, started reading it, and realized that this book is living. And the book changed their lives. There's this situation. They, they presented an analogy saying that seven brothers, the first one married, he married and he died. He didn't have a child. So that means that your brother must marry a wife, which is the, the law. So the second one married a woman, also died, didn't have a child. The third one, the woman is powerful. The third one married her, also died without a child. This was not a real story. They were presenting a scenario, intellectual scenario to Jesus. And then they said, and it happened that all of the guys died without having a child. Seven of them. So, brother A, that's my wife. And I died. Brother B, that's my wife. Died, the same woman. Now, all of them were married to her legally. They said, okay, at the resurrection, whose wife will she be? <laughs> if you believe in the resurrection, they all get up. Then now, which of the seven is going to say it's my wife? Jesus said, you err because you know not the scriptures, not the power of God. He said in the resurrection, there shall not be marriage. Oh, in the resurrection, he said, we shall be like the angels. <laughs> He said, you err. Then Jesus, so Jesus put them right. Now, what am I trying to say? Many, most of the time, people come to us or you who claim and who are a spiritual person standing on God's promises, and they want to ask you questions. They think you, don't, you didn't think through it. They think you didn't think through it. You see, you have mistakes. All these things you say you believe. And they come very confident. I don't know if you have experienced people like that before. And usually, they are very confident. 
very, their level of confidence is amazing. That is why I, I think it is necessary for a pastor like me and every good pastor to take time to boost the confidence of the people of God in the God they know. Because sometimes our timidity and the confidence with which they come to us alone can make you feel like there's something true these guys are saying. But when you know what you know, Paul said, I know in whom I have believed and I am persuaded. Second Timothy 1 12. So when you know what you know, even when you go through turbulent times, you don't lift your hand and curse God. When you know what you know, when you understand who God is and you are growing in God, no trouble, no breakthrough can shift you off. That is why it's important to know very well uh, the God we are serving. Knowing is important. So now, Paul wrote to Timothy and he said, I think this is a very pivotal text for scriptures. Second Timothy chapter 3. Reading from verse 14. But continue thou in thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures. Thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God. And it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instructions in righteousness. That the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto every good work. Very important four points that we find from this text before I actually go into the other. Four points we find from this text. It says that that from childhood you have known the scriptures. Ah, he's writing to Timothy and he's saying Timothy has known the scriptures. So before he wrote to Timothy, what scripture is he talking about then? Because the, now we are reading the scripture, but the one before he wrote, what is, what's the scripture Timothy has known? Jesus had the scriptures. Jesus said in John chapter 10, 35, the scriptures cannot be broken. The scripture I just read earlier on in sorry, Matthew chapter 22, verse 29, Jesus said, you err because you do not know the scriptures or you do not know the scriptures or the power of God. When Jesus resurrected, he took them through the scriptures. So what scripture are we talking about? What is we call the Old Testament is the Jewish scriptures, the Jewish Torah. Now, this is very important. So then, the Old Testament, the, the Bible is made up of two testaments, okay? The new, or two divisions, the New Testament and the Old Testament. Let's all say that together. The New Testament? Yes. Or let's start from the Old. The Old Testament? Yes. And the New Testament? Yes. One more time, please. So the Bible is made out of the Old Testament and the New Testament. This is very important. The Old Testament is older than the New Testament, obviously. And the New Testament is, Bible says Jesus went to the synagogue and of Luke chapter 4, and it, 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 was, it, it was given to him to read the scripture. And he found in verse 
17, he says that, and he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. So the prophet Isaiah, in the, in the, in the synagogue, they are worshipped. The reason Isaiah, most everything. So what the Isaiah we, this is very important. The Isaiah we are reading today is not different from the Isaiah Jesus read. This is very important. So it's not like they've amended. The Old Testament has not been amended. So then one of the things that even show that nothing has been added to it is check the Jewish scriptures and you find that the Jewish scriptures, which is called the Torah, as the Old Testament. And the only difference might be the arrangement of the books. The arrangement of the books. But it's the same books. It's the same books. So they have... The, their Old Testament, because their Old Testament, their Torah become our Old Testament, which is a necessary part of the entire Bible. So the Bible didn't start with when Jesus came and died. The Bible started before Jesus came. So that his people or himself, when he came, he will have a scripture to live by. Galatians 4.4. 4. In the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, but under the law. They were, they were living their lives by the law of Moses and what the prophets said. So now what it means is that the Old Testament was over a thousand years older than Jesus. Much of it. Okay. That means... And 2000 now. So 3000 years ago, this information, this document is still the same. If you want to know whether the Bible is true, just take the Jewish scripture, compare. Compare and see. And you see, the Jews, one of the things God gave them is they were particular about the, the word of God. Every Jewish boy will be reciting the word of God. They knew it. And to, to translate or to, to write it, you know, maybe. Uh, you know, how, how can we have so many Bibles? Those days didn't have printing press. People call scribes. They had to write it, copy it. And they were trained. And if, you, if they look through it and one dot is missing, the whole thing is... Yeah, quality control, everything. Because they were trained to, to keep the word of God across the generations. They have kept it. And so there's not only one version. Or there's not only one book. When I say one book, there were... The scripture, yeah, this one had it. So even if three of you, your own guess missing, we will find this other people's scripture. And so it's not like something that has gone into extinction. In, God preserved his word over the generations. So what I'm trying to say is that the Old Testament is not new. That's what I mean. The Old Testament is not new. It's been in existence before Christianity started. So it's not like the Christian uh, Bible, we are writing our Bible, and King James was writing the Bible, and so now he put the Old Testament together. No, it's, it's, it outdates Christianity, as it is. Now, so it says that thou hast known the scriptures. So the scriptures Paul was referring to are the scriptures that Jesus was reading, that all the Jews used to read. Those were the scriptures. Now, you have known the scriptures which... From a childhood, you've known the scriptures, which is able to make you wise unto salvation. Now, watch this. The Bible doesn't save. You can read it as much as you want. And hide it under your pillow like grandma. <laughs> the Bible does not save. Salvation is not in the Bible. 
Salvation is in Christ. It's in the Bible. You have my Bible now. John, Acts chapter 4, verse 11 and 12. It says clearly that, uh, verse 12, verse 12, it says, There is no salvation in any other, for there is no other name, including the Bible. And I have given you amongst men by which we might be talking about only Jesus. Now, but how would you know Jesus? You have to find him in the Bible. So the only way you can meet Jesus is in the Bible. Else you might think is the footballer. In fact, in John, in Luke chapter 2, verse 14, he said, For this day has been born to you a savior in the city of David. Is it verse 14 or 11? Yeah. For there is born to you this day in the city of David what? A savior. So who is Christ the Lord? No, you don't miss it. So if you are saying that you know about a Jesus, and I want to check if it's the same Jesus, and I ask, does he save? He said, no. Okay, then it's a different Jesus. That's why you have to know your Jesus. So that if someone presents another Jesus, oh, no, no, this, this is not the Jesus that saves. The Jesus I'm talking about, he saves. The Jesus I'm talking about, he's Messiah. The Jesus I'm talking about is the son of David. The Jesus I'm talking about is the seed of the woman. The Jesus I'm talking about is the seed of Abraham. The Jesus I'm talking about is the son of God. The Jesus I'm talking about is God. He's the embodiment of God in human flesh. Is it the same now you're talking about? Please turn aside. We are talking about two different Jesus. Wow. So, there's no way you can know who Jesus really is outside of the Bible. But, but Pastor, you said the Old Testament out, uh, it predates Jesus. So he didn't talk about, oh, you read it very, it's always talking about Jesus. He might not mention Jesus, but it's always talking about Jesus. The Old Testament, the law was speaking about. That's why he could go into from the law, you know, on the resurrection. Bible said, beginning at Moses. Moses talking about the, it's the law. Beginning at Moses, Luke chapter 4, 24, verse 27. Beginning at Moses and through all the prophets, he expounded unto them the things concerning himself. Because they were always talking about him. So the, and the Old Testament scriptures spoke about Jesus. Now coming back to the text we read, it says that, from childhood, thou hast known the scriptures, which is able to make you wise unto salvation. See, salvation is not the scripture. Unto salvation, which is in faith in Christ, or which is in Christ, or through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. The salvation comes through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. It doesn't come by just having the Bible and reading it. But the salvation came, comes through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. And those of us who are born again, we got born again because we found Christ. And you want, if you want to know Christ, you have to get to the Bible. If you want to know more. And that's why we can't finish reading the Bible. Because every time you read, you see more. You see more. When you go, you keep seeing more. When you go, you read it with your spirit. Spiritually. And with an open heart to hear from God. And so, it says that thou hast known the scriptures which is able to make you wise unto salvation. And then secondly, there's a point here which you got to notice. All scripture. How many scripture? Oh. How much of scripture? First oh. Corinthians chapter 7. I say, it's for me. Yeah, so you see that scripture. One he said, This is for the Lord. Another place said, This is not from the Lord. Another place said, Whether well, I said, But to the, the rest, I, not the Lord, say. <laughs> so then they said, There are things that are written in the Bible which is 
Paul's opinion. So if you really want to know, like some of these people who are attacking marriage, they can go, they have to dismiss Paul. Because if you don't dismiss Paul, you can't go further with your attack on Christian marriage. Because Paul has covered it. And they'll tell you, but Jesus didn't say anything about that. Why would he say it when he's going to send Paul to say it? Paul himself puts it this way. Galatians 1, 15 and 16. When he pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his, uh, through his grace, to, was, was the purpose of his calling? To reveal his son in me. So the, the calling was to reveal himself. So the ascended Jesus, Jesus had so many things to tell them, but they couldn't bear. But I said, how be it when the spirit of truth come? He will reveal these things to you. Now, Paul now was given the charge to teach these things, and the Holy Spirit can now reveal it to the people of God. But as we're having a discourse, someone said, oh, but this is the Paul's opinion. It's Paul's opinion, and we have to check what Jesus has got to say. He said, no, but if it's Paul's opinion, it's the scripture. Somebody said, no, 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 but Paul was saying things based on this. Liberals use that a lot. What Jesus said is not more important in the scripture. It's not more important than what Paul said. Don't give it more weight over what Paul said. He said, no, you can read this from Jesus. I said, no. The Bible said, all scripture, all scripture, what Jesus said, what Paul said, what Peter said, what James said, what Moses said, what Isaiah said, what Job said, all scripture. So you can't give one part of scripture more weight than the other because it's equally the word of God. All scripture. Now it says that all scripture is given, the Greek is paragraphatheonupsis. Paragrapha, para or grapha writing. Theo nupsis, theo is God. Nupsis is the breath of God. So paragrapha theonupsis, all scripture. How do you get scripture? God, God breathed. All scripture is given by the breath of God. And that's very important. This is where. We don't separate and exclude anything written in the Bible. And we don't bring other things, like Apocrypha, I'll, I'll probably talk about that sometime later. Apocrypha into it, because it's not part of Scripture. All Scripture is given. If you realize, Colossians chapter, I think chapter 4, I, I suppose it's verse 12, where he mentions the church of Laodicea. And it talks about how he has written to them, I think it's in Colossians definitely, that is written a letter to the church of Laodicea, but they should make sure that this letter of Colossae should be read there and they should read the one in Laodicea. So is it 416 is it now when this epistle is read amongst you Colossians see that it is read also in the church of the Laodiceans and that you likewise read the epistle from Laodicea. Where is it? Where is the epistle of Laodicea? Where, where, where is it? You can say that that one was Paul's own opinion. You can say that that was Paul's own opinion. That's why they didn't make it into scripture. Even though he has told them to read it. That was not scripture. So anything that is here is God breathed. First, Second Peter chapter 1 verse 20 it says in 21, it says that no prophecy, knowing that, knowing this first, say first, say it again. These are first things to know, fundamental. 
is fundamental. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation. That as for me, this is what it means to me. An angel has told me this and this. Too. So it's my truth. It doesn't matter what it means to you. What does, it actually, what does the text actually mean? It's not whether it means something to you or not. The text itself, what does it mean? So he said, it's not of private interpretation, but for prophecy never came by the will of man. That's it. But holy men of God spoke as they were moved. You no, know, those days that um, sailing without the, uh, when you have a sail, yeah, actually, that, how does it move the boat? Depending on the wind, so the direction of the wind, they turn the sail, and then the wind is what pushes and carries. Now, that's the same ideology here that men of God were carried. They were moved. They were inspired by the, some of them wrote under inspiration. Many of them wrote not knowing, like Moses. Most, most of the what Moses wrote was under inspiration. And some of the things David said, Bible said, for David said, the Holy Spirit said by the mouth of David. You know, so there are things that they wrote, which they didn't. So Paul was writing, watch this. I've gone ahead of myself, but let me say, when he was writing, he wasn't saying, I'm writing the Bible. I'm writing scripture. He was writing. So, and God didn't violate his feelings. That's the beauty of it. That God can work with you without you even realizing that he's working with you. For it is God who worketh in you. Both to will and to do of his. God is working. He says, says that for the spirit of himself bears witness with our spirit. There are some, there's, there's time that it's, you are thinking, I decided to say hello to her. Not knowing she was praying that, Lord, if you really want me, let someone come and say hello to me. So you're saying hello based on your decision. It's actually the Holy Ghost. Who was, but you thought it's you because he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. So you thought it's you. But when you exercise your spirit and turn to the Lord and walk with the Lord, there are times that the Lord works through you and it looks like it's you. That's why Paul said, this one I'm not sure even if it's God or it's me myself. Because sometimes you can become so jasperized. You become so intertwined with God that you are not able to tell. Then sometimes to you, you as a human being, there are times where your soul, there are times where your human element can come through, filter through your spiritual activities. That is why, watch this, Bible says that the word of God, Hebrews 4.12, is living and active. Oh, I like that. It's living. It's alive. It's not like something that is paper. When the thing enters you, it begins to work. It, 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 it has life. The word of God is living. He said the word of God is living. And some translations say active. Active. And I say it's active. It acts. It acts. The word of God acts. The word of God is living and it's powerful. And it says that uh, powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. What, what do you sort for? Cut. So the word of God cuts. And it's able to slice very fine without causing side effects. It doesn't cut more than it's supposed to cut. With 
precision. So it's very fine and sharp. Now, it says it's able to divide between the soul and the spirit. Sometimes you are confused. You are about to prophesy. The Lord says, I should tell you, stop thinking about marriage because you have heard so many things about this woman concerning marriage. Now it has turned into prophecy. You are, you, are, you, are, you are genuine and well-intentioned, but listen, your soul is coming through. Your soul is coming through. That is why every one of us need to grow in the word, because it's the only the word of God that can block the soul from filtering through the work of the Spirit. So if you are not worthy, you'll be worldly. <laughs> you have to be worthy so that you are worthy of the Lord's flow. God can flow through you easily. He looks for his word. That is why the scripture clearly says that let them be counted worthy of double one, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. The word. What's the usefulness of a pastor who can't study the word? I mean, what, what, think about it. What's the usefulness of a nurse who can't stand blood? Who can stand sick people? <laughs> so it says that the, the 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 word of God is sharper. So when our soul is getting in, and it's very easy for your soul to get in, especially because sometimes you think it's God who is talking to you, but it's not God. When you are interested, your interest can be disguised. So you see, it's very easy for our soulish desire. The teachings you hear washes you. Because many of us need serious brain, brainwashing, deep clean. All scripture is given by the breath of God. Let's all say this again, all scripture. Say all scripture. Now listen to it. When you say the breath of God, that means that it actually came from God. It's about time that we should put aside the opinion of man. There's something about God's word when it comes from God. It can humble you. Anytime you, in fact, if you want to grow in the, in the things of God, get deep in the word of God. Get into the word. Get into the word. Nowadays we have people who read the Bible, but not people who study the Bible. You must have a steady life. You must, you must have a steady life, or else your life will not be steady. And Satan has kept you busy on purpose. Yeah, I know it. Come and ask me. Satan has kept you busy on purpose. <laughs> Tell somebody, Satan has kept you busy on purpose. <laughs> and it's not like he doesn't use even bad things to keep you busy. He uses good things. He can even use church activities. Church activities to keep you busy because you're always busy. You are from here. You are not great. You are not reading Bible. Program to program. Busy. He can use family life. God has blessed you with two children, three children. And it, 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 Satan can use their course to make you very busy. He can use your business to make you very busy. He can use your studies. Your education. Have an exam. As an exam, next year, so I have to stay away from everything. You have time to respond to DMs. Yeah. But God is sending you a DM. He says, I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy. I have to study. I'm busy, I'm busy. I know I'm talking to you. This Christianity, which is based on just church events and church activity, is not the one the Bible is talking about. 
Can I say that again? The fact that you've been getting up coming to church, getting up coming to church, doesn't mean you're an authentic Christian. No! And you can't be an authentic Christian without getting to church. Yeah. Going to the theater doesn't make you, doesn't make you a surgeon. Wearing football jersey yes, doesn't make you a professional footballer. <laughs> you can wear number eight or whatever number where you can wear. It doesn't make you that person. Manchester United jersey, you are worthy. Listen, you are not. A, you are not a player. You are just a fan. You are not a player. And we have a lot of people who are fan of Christ in church, having fanfare and jamborees. So, if you want to grow, get into the word. Get into the word. Bible says the brilliant Christians, after pastor finished preaching, they will go and go through the scriptures. Go scripture. Now, sometimes I find it so difficult to find people who say, oh, pastor, when I was reading the scripture, I came across this. There's a man in Genesis chapter 32 who had an encounter with God. Jacob. Bible says a man wrestled with him. That's how it should be like with you and the word of God. By the time you finish the word of God, finish with you, you are limping. Something of you have given way. Because the word is powerful. It must prevail. It must prevail. But let's finish this text. So it says that thou hast known the scripture which is able to make you wise. For all scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. So you want to know the teachings that you need for your Christian life. If someone tells you, but there are other things you can also learn for your Christian life outside the Bible. That's the voice of the devil. The person might not be a devil, but the way Satan spoke through Peter, to Jesus, Satan is speaking through their goodwill. You don't need anything else apart from the Bible for your spiritual growth. The means of grace is the word. You don't need anything, any other book or any other some documenting. But no, nothing is as far. That is why it becomes a problem when a preacher is preaching without making the Bible the basis of his preaching. So then that means that we, since the Bible is from God, the word of God is the breath of God, it should have the governing authority in our meetings. When we come, that's why they allow the Bible to be open. When we, we have to preach from the Bible. Every other human opinion must be made subject. Sometime ago I was telling the pastor is not preaching opinions. He's supposed to preach the word of God. Don't say that's your opinion. That's the word of God. But that's your opinion about that. Let's get that's why it's good to get to what the Bible actually says. Let the Bible speak. Let the Bible speak. That is what makes the church healthy. A church that people are not familiar with the Bible is a very bad church. They know testimonies, they know miracles, they know breakthroughs, they know setting ways. But they are not familiar with the scriptures. This is a bad church. It's a bad, it's doing a bad, that pastor is doing a bad job. But let me add this small one. Um, the word of God is from God and it's only God who must speak. When you get close to the Bible, genuinely, it shuts you up. He says, shut up. People who are growing in Christ, you know, human beings, know, we always want to tell our opinions. When you are growing in Christ, you begin to back off with your opinion. Shut up. Bible says that, that every mouth will be silenced. So only God can be doing the speaking when it comes to authority in spiritual matters. 
Romans chapter 3, verse, I think, 20 or 90 or 20. It says that, that whatever was written in the Lord was written for that every mouth will be silent. Um, yeah, that every mouth may be stopped. The more you get closer to God, the more your mouth gets shut up. So God, you do the taking. I don't got any, anything to say. It doesn't matter what I know. God, you are boss. That's why he said it is uh, all scripture is given by the spirit. It came from God. And then finally, the third point I want you to notice is that uh, that the man of God will be thoroughly finished. It, it transforms life. Sorry, Second Corinthians chapter three, verse eighteen. We all, with unveiled faces, beholding us in a glass, are being changed or transformed into the same image from glory to glory. So we are all being changed. That's where metamorphosis take place. The change, the transformation. After you become a believer, now you must open yourself to the surgery of the word for the word to work on you, to work on you. It's separating your spirit from your soul. Uh, I'm naughty. I have a problem. I'm arrogant. I'm proud. I easily get offended. I'm bitter. The word of God will be able to separate the, the draws from your life and flash it out with time. The more we submit ourselves to the pure word of God, the more transformation we experience in our life. And I know God is going to move you from glory to glory, from favor to favor, from faith to faith, from grace to grace, and from power to power. If you believe it, shout, I believe in amen. Sanctify them by your word. Your word is true. Sanctify, that's the changing agent of every church. Amen. Lift up your right hand, please, if you don't mind. Say, oh Lord, sanctify me by your word. I submit my plans, my hopes, my ambitions, my feelings, my intentions. I submit them under the authority of your word. Let your word prevail in my life. Have your way in my life. I surrender it all. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message by David Entry. To hear more from David Entry, follow him on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. You can also subscribe to Caris Church on YouTube. Don't forget to share and subscribe to our podcast so you're always up to date. Be blessed.